And now, for your feature presentation. One, or two, or three, or four, but five, force five. Welcome to the Force 5 Podcast, a show where I force my guests to come up with a movie or TV-themed top five list, and then we reveal those picks on air. I'm your host, Jason Kleberg, and today my guest is Tara Ariano. This is normally the part where I say she's a podcaster or a writer or an editor, but you're like everything under the sun and more. <laughs> Why don't you introduce yourself like however you want to, because there's so much to your career. Sure. Uh, I am a writer. I generally am freelancing these days. Um, I write a lot for primetimer.com where I'm an editor at large, uh, but I do also post two podcasts, Extra Hot Great, which is a general television podcast, and also Again With This, which started out as a Beverly Hills 90210 recap podcast, and then we ran out of episodes, even (laughs) though there are almost 300 of them. Uh, So now we're covering Melrose Place. All good parts of my childhood. Are you planning to uh, do like Models Inc. after that? That's funny you should ask because we have a Patreon for the podcast and we just, uh, I mean, very recently did the premiere episode of Models Inc. on our Patreon as a bonus episode for our supporters. Um, It's a little bit hard to find if you know how to look wink (laughs) i think you know what i am saying uh you can still locate it so it's a little bit harder to find it's not streaming anywhere legitimately uh but yes so we i think we will probably fold in episodes of that and episodes of gross point which was the spoof of 90210 um for uh we'll continue to do those for our patreon well there we go and you're also an author that is true with my co-host sarah debunting Uh, We wrote a book for Abrams uh, last year called A Very Special 90210 Book, and we covered 93 extremely important episodes of the show. And then we also have character guides and a lot of sidebars about important aspects of the show, like a deep dive on the Bellage Hotel, which is apparently the only hotel in town. Um, a lot of stuff about Dylan's trust fund, how that all worked. Um, so, you know, that gives you the gist and, and then brief items about the, the various spinoffs and tie-ins and so forth. Yeah. The more I listen to your podcast and the more I read it in this book, like that world was just entirely bonkers and I did not even realize it as a kid. (laughs) Yeah, it really, really is. It's true. Why don't you talk about what your list topic is for this, for this show? I would love to. Uh, I proposed that we talk about five instances where stunt casting was actually good. I think we can probably easily point to a lot of instances where stunt casting was terrible. Uh, (laughs) Certainly there was a time in the 90s and the 2000s when TV shows, especially sitcoms, got infected with the stunt casting bug and it, you know, was used to drive ratings on shows like especially Will and Grace and Friends and that sort of thing but it's not always bad and I think you know the two of us I'm sure could come up with five instances a piece uh of of times when stunt casting on a tv show was was good and a smart idea and worked out well at least I did I'm sure I hope that you did too this one was fun because there there are actually a lot that I thought were were really good and I actually had trouble paring it down to five so (laughs) we should have some fun with this 
famously Heather Locklear was listed as like special guest star on Melrose right. Place for, <laughs> yes. mm-hmm. which always confused me as a kid because I, I mean Melrose Place and Nine Hundred Two One Zero I only really watched because they were on in the background as my mom was watching them when I was younger, mm-hmm. and it always confused me like special guest star Heather Locklear, but she was on like every episode, mm-hmm. and I never understood that as as a kid, but. Uh, to that point, where does your fascination with with 90210 and with Melrose Place, where does that come from? Well, uh, I was the same exact age as the 90210 characters when that show premiered. Famously, they were juniors twice. <laughs> the first season of the show, they were in the 11th grade. And then in season two, they were in the 11th grade again, and they just hoped no one would notice. <laughs> so- it's like the Simpsons. Exactly. So after that, they were they were a year younger than me. But that was the that was why that, you know, it it was it was marketed. I mean, you can't get more directly marketed to than that, really. And, you know, it came out at a time when it's it's not like now where there's a huge amount of entertainment options for anyone of any age really like it's you know there's there was a limited number of tv networks that you could watch i mean even if you had cable that was true um and so it was it was a big deal like it's hard to conceive of what a youth quake moment 90210 was like it was just everywhere and actually during quarantine one of my <laughs> crazy hobbies has become uh, going on eBay and collecting old issues of Sassy Magazine, which was also <laughs> very meaningful to me at that time. And so it's it's just wild to see there how much, like, after the show premiered, which was in October of 1990, like, the issues that happen after that, how quickly just 90210 coverage takes over um, in big and small ways. I mean, three of the stars were on the cover at various times, but even other than that like they just are mentioned in so many articles they're in cover lines they like come up in entertainment polls like it was just it was a big 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 show for me for a long time and you know tv being what it was at the time like there was there was a point where I stopped being as interested in it just because you know we didn't have dvrs back then so (laughs) it was event tv Right. I was in college. I wasn't, you know, if I forgot to set the DVR, you know, you just didn't get to see that episode. It's hard to imagine now, but that's how TV used to work. And, you know, after a certain point when my faves left, like I definitely got less interested after Brenda was no longer on the show. And then, you know, the longer it went on, which like people forget, there were six more seasons after that. Like there was more post Brenda years than Brenda years which is crazy to contemplate but uh yeah it continued on way past any reasonable amount of time it was on for 10 years which is insane um but I was not really a Melrose person at the time so I'm I'm watching it for the podcast I'm discovering a lot of it firsthand and it's as a tv document I have to say it's such a better soap. It's so crazy. <laughs> like they really, they learned a lot of lessons from what 90210 did wrong in the early going. And they just are full throttle. We're up to season three now and they are just going for it in every episode. Like so much happens. There is not a wasted second of screen time. It's so great. I, I really, I never thought I would say I like Melrose Place better, but I think I 
I think I might. Wow, bold statement. Yeah. That's one of those shows that I, I never, when I was a kid, I never watched soap operas. So that was my really my first introduction to soap operas where you have people dying and then coming back later. And it's... Yeah. Yeah. And then I remember when I would go to people's houses when I was little, they would have those 90210 posters on their mm-hmm. walls. That was just like, it was just part of being alive in the early 90s was knowing oh, yeah. about these shows. It's crazy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it t- culture was way more of a monolith than it is now, for sure. And that was yeah. that was a huge that was a huge pillar in the monolith, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> well, I can't wait to get into some of these stunt castings. I think I've got some good picks, but before we get into that, we're going to talk about some things that we have been watching lately. And uh, I'll go ahead and start us off here. Great. This week I watched Brandon Cronenberg's Possessor Uncut. You have a very special nature. One we've worked hard together to unlock. Oh, meow. The results are normal. Anything you want to flag? No. No, I'm fine. Mom, how was your trip? Dull. Extraordinarily dull. Our next contract's a big one. The target is the CEO of the largest operation in the U.S. He'll be binding to Colin Tate. We can't afford any mistakes on this one. Ready? It's essentially about this person who has a kick-ass name. Her name's Tasia Voss. And she works for this secret organization that uses brain implant technology to inhabit other people's bodies to carry out high-profile assassinations. Now, of course, with any dystopian technological movie, the technology is not foolproof. It lacks stability, as does Tasia. And this leads to this interesting mental wrestling match between the host and the parasite. It's very, very visual. It's a really, really cool looking movie. And I would not expect anything less from Brandon Cronenberg. This is David Cronenberg's son. Mm-hmm. The main issue I have with the film is that it's such a cool, grand idea that I want to see more of it. Like it really limited us to this one story with this one agent and really one mark. But I want to see more of it. There is such a great opening to this movie. It's one of the best opening scenes that I've seen all year featuring an assassination. There's tons of gore in this. I don't know where you fall on the gore scale, like on the no, regular. I'm, I'm okay with gore. Yeah, okay, I like cool. an action movie. If you're into Cronenberg style gore, his son keeps it going in this. There are There are some scenes in this that I will never forget. It also has one of my favorite person wearing another person's face type of scenes since Dwight Schrute mangled the CPR dummy in Dunder Mifflin. (laughs) Uh And then if you watch the uncut version, it's got even more of these scenes that you will never forget. And it's got some really interesting sexuality to it as well. The only complaint I have about this film is that there's, there's a lot more that I want to see. There's no way that this doesn't make my top 10 for 2020. 
Wow. I guess this is going to air in 2021 anyway, so you will know that by then. But yeah, it's it's a really interesting film. It's going to stay with you for a long time. It's original and an easy recommendation as long as you're not squeamish. I've heard I've heard very good things. That sounds cool. So that's good to know. It's weird because there's Possessor and then there's Possessor Uncut, and that's the actual name of it. They're the same length. It's just a couple of seconds here and there mm-hmm. that make the uncut version way more unforgettable. I'll say that. So that's Possessor Uncut. Uh, what's something that you've been watching? I have two very different TV shows. One is Deutschland 89. Mr. Gorbachev, open this case. Oh my God! Hello, Martin. Colibri. The CIA? KGB. You get arrested, you get killed, or you get hired. So this is a German series that started out as Deutschland 83 and then every season it's, you know, a different number because that is the year when it's taking place. And it's a story of an uh, Martin who started out as an East German border guard and then he gets drafted into being a spy by his aunt. And then th- things, you know, take a turn as they do when you're a spy. It's kind of like uh, the American... <laughs> <laughs> except from a german perspective where he's he's sent to he's sent to the west to, to spy for the east um but it's you know also at a very uh interesting time for communism a lot of changes happen and in deutschland 89 if we all know our history we will recall what happened in 1989 in germany was that the wall came down so this is the big event of that season and um yeah it's uh it's a it's very interesting a lot of good action, but it doesn't. It it keeps it on a small scale, and it never feels like it's uh, it's too confusing or hard to follow or outlandish. Uh, and Martin gets into a lot of situations that are you know sticky, and he has to use his ingenuity to get out of them. Uh, it's a really good show. It airs on Sundance, so if you haven't checked it out, you should um, load up your old Sundance app and um, watch those three seasons. It's a really good show. Well, I love the Americans, so that definitely sounds appealing to me. Yeah, uh, it's. I mean, it's in German and it's subtitled, so if that's a, if that's a turnoff, be aware. But yeah, cool. Uh, I've got one other thing that I watched. It's probably the worst. It's it's definitely the worst thing that I've watched this week. Could be the worst thing I've watched all year. This is a 1984 film called Panther Squad. Okay. Sybil Danning is the Panther. Frank is Jack Taylor. Start in the morning. Uh, you here for the sound on the phone? No, I'm here for the action. It's one of these titles that if I was 12 and I was wandering through a blockbuster at nine o'clock at night, I might have rented. And for some reason, I saw this on Amazon Prime and I was really bored one night. And it looks like one of those titles that's it's going to be a really entertaining B movie. This is not. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. This is like a Z movie and it's not entertaining. The plot is that there's a new United Nations and it's called the New Order of Nations or Noon. And Mm. Noon is ready to start exploring and settling in space 
Unfortunately, an international terrorist group called Clean Space is against space pollution, and they don't want humans littering in zero gravity like they did on Earth. Sure. So, of course, they're up there like police and stuff. And when they take an astronaut hostage, it's up to the Panther Squad, which are this team of sexy commandos, to bring her back and take out the space trash. Unfortunately, none of it happens in space. It all happens in Earth. And it all basically happens in slow motion because the action is so bad (laughs) that uh, if you watch this in double time, it's almost like the action is normal. It's so terrible. If I had to pick one good thing to, to say about this, it's that there's an opening theme song. Like a lot of 80s movies had their own opening theme songs. And this one does. It's called Tough and Tender. it rips over a montage of women shooting pistols at paper targets. Okay. <laughs> and then those are the only bullet holes we ever see because the rest of it is like they, they couldn't even afford blood squibs on this thing. So when people get shot, they just fall to the ground. It's atrocious. Possibly the worst thing about Panther Squad is the editing. It is the most poorly edited film that I have ever seen, and I've seen a lot of shit. And I'll give you an example. There's a scene where there's a uh, the Panther Squad goes to this bar. There's this dude singing at the bar, and she goes into this back room to get into a fight. And I put that in quotations because it's so stupid. Once they start fighting in the back room, it just inexplicably cuts for a couple of seconds of this dude singing. Maybe every 10 seconds, we get a second of this dude singing. It's so weird. It's so poorly edited. As you'd expect, the special effects are trash. It's basically a PG movie that looks like it's going to be an R-rated movie. And it's just, it's one for the trash can. (laughs) You can find all, you can find a YouTube video and it's just titled All the Action Scenes from Panther Squad. And it will show you how ridiculous the action scenes are. It can't even get being terrible, right? That's how bad Panther Squad is from 1984. (laughs) Oh. Anything else? Uh, you said you had one one other TV show you wanted to talk about? I do. This is a Netflix sketch show called Auntie Donna's Big Ol' House of Fun. Great. Who's next? We got to um just... Hang on, Zach. You've gone low res. Oh, my God. You. How embarrassing. I'm Did sorry. you have something strange for lunch? Uh, no, I, I just have really poor internet quality at my place. Oh, right. Yeah. We can carry on, though, if you're happy to. Oh, yeah, sure. I mean, it usually gets better again pretty quickly. <laughs> We're going on a date! Ah, ah, ah. Who wants a drink? Oh, God, 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 Things might be looking kind of glum now, but they'll be right as rain in no Jesus time. Jesus Christ! What is that? Fucking thing on your fucking head! 
This November, a new six-part series from the absurd minds of Auntie Donna, featuring the talents of Broden Kelly. These are my favorite clothes. Zachary Ruane. Would you like to clock her? Mark Bonanno. <laughs> with special guests, Egg Helm. You can sit the f*** down. Kristen Shaw. I'm a regular human. Weird Al Yankovic. <laughs> the Queen of England. I'm the fucking Queen of England. Pro wrestler, Awesome Kong. Paul F. Tompkins, Sir Tommy Nippletas, Sir Ham Lincoln, Lord Wolf, Tiny Little Puppet, We got to get the show back on the rails. Okay. Okay, because yeah. it's off the rails. A little. Okay. This is from an Australian sketch group called Auntie Donna. It's three guys, Zach, Mark, and Broden. And they live in a house and every episode has a secret word and the sketches are loosely organized around whatever that is. And, uh, you know, it's a sketch show. You've all seen a sketch show before. It's kind of uneven. Uh, some of them are very funny. Some of them are pretty dumb. Even though they're Australian, they've filmed this in L.A. So there are definitely sketch performers from uh, that you've seen in other things like Tawny Newsom and Paul F. Tompkins and Alyssa Lamparis and many others. The episodes are really short, which I like. They don't overstay their welcome a lot of times. Saturday Night Live, I think shows feel like they need to <laughs> fill a certain space. Definitely that's more the case on network, obviously, than on a streaming show. But this, uh, it, they just get in and get out. They're not afraid to be very, very stupid. Um, and uh, this is in the best way. And it's obviously not as good as I think you should leave with Tim Robinson. Nothing is. But um, since we don't know when we're going to be getting that, this is an okay way to fill the vacuum. I would say this is like methadone to I think you should leave's heroin. <laughs> <laughs> That's Auntie Donna's Big Old House of Fun. That's right, on Netflix. I have not yet seen this, but I do it's like sketch shows. Yeah, it's produced by Scott Ackerman um, from Comedy Bang Bang, and I think Ed Helms is behind it, too, and he's in a, one or maybe more than one of the episodes, I forget. Well, I will check that out. And speaking of names that you might trust, it's time to talk about <laughs> some stunt casting. Yeah. Oh, so you already kind of outlined what stunt casting is. It's It's basically when you would fill a role in a TV series or a movie that used celebrities really just to get people to tune in. Right. And like you said, in the nineties, early two thousands, we had a lot of sit like long running sitcoms going and in the middle of their runs, they would just like have these weird celebrities come in. So what was the inspiration for this list for you? Well, I think the conventional wisdom, as I said, when we were, when I, sort of introduced the idea was that the conventional wisdom is that stunt casting is always bad. It's a sign that a show is running out of ideas and that in order to goose ratings, instead of having, you know, storylines that are entertaining, <laughs> they're just going to try to, uh, to reach for a gimmick that's going to get people to tune in, have a face that's uh, that they can put in a promo and get people excited about. So you know, if people are getting weary of Will and Grace on Will and Grace, then, you know, why not go out to Madonna and see if she'll be in an episode <laughs> or whatever? Um, and, you know, or f I mentioned Friends. That was another one where, like, in their 
their post Super Bowl episode, they had Jean Claude Van Damme and Julia Roberts and others. I for oh, a Brooke Shields. There was someone else too. It was a lot. It was a two parter, and it was really <laughs> overstuffed. Um, so this is something that sitcoms especially do, dramas too, to a lesser extent. Definitely Super Bowl episodes, post Super Bowl episodes, do it a lot too because they want to they they want to keep that audience for whatever in whatever ways they can. Yeah. So generally, I think stunt casting not something that you that that tends to reflect well on a show but sometimes stunt casting works and i think it would be nice to celebrate those times and that's what we're here to do and now that you mention it late in season runs i have like most of mine are from season six on well i have one from season from a season four from a show so okay well why don't you hit me with your number five on five stunt castings that actually worked Okay, I mentioned Julia Roberts as a, as a bad example on Friends. So here's one where she was good. It was when she appeared on Law and Order in a season nine episode called Empire. This was from when she was actually dating Benjamin Bratt when he was on the show playing Ray Curtis. And uh, the matter is there's been a murder and she's involved. She's uh, there. It's something... <laughs> revolving around the building of a stadium uh and she's very mysterious she's very evasive and long story short she's a con artist who's basically talked herself into new york high society in this um you know quasi charitable capacity but you know she's she's skimming money off of this fund that she works for and she killed the guy who died um in order to get all his money so yeah that's uh, but she's she's excellent as initially the person who you know i i'm so freaked out i can't believe i'm involved in this i'm totally innocent look at me and my twin sets blah 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 and then as the episode goes on she's more and more sketchy and just keeps doing, uh, you know, very dodgy stuff, <laughs> trying to kiss up to Ray and seeing the two of them play off each other when you know what their off-screen relationship is gives the the episode like an extra kind of, you know, gives it a little extra zip, a little spark um, that makes it really fun to watch when those episodes, when that episode comes up in syndication. So that's that's my first Julia Roberts on Law and Order Empire. That's a great pick. I have not seen that one. I really haven't seen much Law and Order, but it's interesting that she was on there in 1999 because that was kind of like during one of her big heydays. Like she was just about to do Aaron Brockovich. She had probably mm-hmm. just done like Notting Hill and Stepmom, and she was already a really critically acclaimed actress. Yeah, and you can't even say like she was doing it as a favor to him. Really, <laughs> like it was a big, sh- it was a big show. Um, you know, it didn't really need her help. Uh, I'm sure it was a, it must have been a sweeps episode. Let me look at when it aired in May. Yeah, that was, that was the end of the season. So that would have been sweeps for sure. But, uh, but yeah, that's, uh, that's a nice, that's a nice thing to do for your man. I think (laughs) didn't work out for the two of them. I'm sure they're both happy with their spouses. They, they both are still married to the people that they ended up with after they broke up. But, uh, yeah, they were uh, they were happy at the time and they made a good episode of TV. So at least we all have that to remember them by. Well, you mentioned Friends as having some really bad cameos. And uh, I'm going to go to Friends for my number five for one cameo that I think worked, a stunt cast that I think worked. And it's probably one of the most 
well-known stunt castings on my list, and that's Brad Pitt coming in as Will. Hey! Happy Thanksgiving. Ah, thanks. God, Will, I'm so glad that you came. You just, you look great. You must have lost, like... 150 pounds. Yeah, I'm gonna be in one of those Subway sandwich commercials. Uh, it's no fat, it's no sugar, it's no dairy. It's no good. Throw it out. You want to meet some people? I meant to tell you, um, Ross is coming. Ross is coming. Great. I love Ross. Oh, good. And Rachel Green, too. Oh. Is there a problem? No. Yeah. Eight. Yep. And this is the episode called The One with the Rumor. Mm-hmm. He is, of course, invited to Thanksgiving dinner by Monica. He was a former classmate of Ross, and they don't know this, but he and Ross and a foreign exchange student, the three of them formed the I Hate Rachel Green Club (laughs) in high school. Mm -hmm. Uh, And of course, they spread the rumor that Rachel was a hermaphrodite, which I guess is something that you were allowed to joke about in the early 2000s. I was going to say, that's an an aspect of the episode that has not aged as well, but yeah. Yeah, I would say that and uh, Brad Pitt's frosted tips, probably the, <laughs> the two things that have not aged well about that episode. Yeah, but really funny and just like Julia Roberts in this case, Brad Pitt was with Jennifer Aniston at the yep. time. Uh, but I think it worked. Like he definitely impressed some people because he was nominated nominated for an Emmy for mm-hmm. it, and I I thought it was a really fun episode. I. Didn't watch Friends while it was airing, but my wife recently went on a Friends binge and watched the season, and I would be in the room working or whatever and saw it in the background. And at one point, I had to look up, like, is that Brad Pitt? Mm-hmm. And uh, I thought it was great. <laughs> and then I went online, of course, and found out that everybody thinks this is uh, one of the, well, most people think this is a really great stunt casting episode, and I agree. So that's my number five, Brad Pitt as Will on Friends season eight. Yeah, that's a that's definitely a beloved episode. And I think Friends Friends is known for their Thanksgiving episodes, especially which that one that one is is a Thanksgiving episode. Um, yep. And uh, yeah, the two of them together are delightful. Cool. So number four. Well, number four is the only one that I would say is like really a cameo where we have a character playing himself or a version of himself. This is Steve Gutenberg as Steve Gutenberg on Party Down in the episode, Steve Gutenberg's Birthday. You were saying before that you thought your daughter was gonna become a star. Oh yes, my daughter is going to become a star. Success is a lifestyle you need to prepare for. You read in the tabloids every day, some schmuck hits it big and falls to pieces because you wasn't ready for success. Oh gosh. Let's imagine, you make millions of dollars. <gasps> what do you do? I have millions of dollars. Millions. Uh, I throw a big party and I buy some new shoes mm-hmm. and Escapade loves horses so we could probably get like a hundred? Henry, 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 yep. what would you do with your millions of dollars? Oh. I'm floundering here. Wow, I don't know. Um, fleet of blimps? Oh, that's such a good idea. You see, that's what I'm talking about. You've got to educate yourself. I was very, very lucky. Someone showed me the way. Oh. I learned to live well. Fine wine, clothing, art. This is actually an episode that we have inducted into the canon on our podcast, Extra Hot Great. The canon is our TV episode, Hall of Fame, uh, mm. where we, in every episode, we have someone present uh an episode of tv and we you know discuss it and and decide whether you know it belongs in the pantheon of tv's very best episodes and this one we decided does 
So what happens is um, the, uh, the Party Down, if people haven't watched it, which you should, it's great. Uh, it's about a group of cater waiters in L.A. And um, so this, <laughs> this catering company has been hired to put on Steve Gutenberg's birthday party. But when they get there, he has just been surprised by a bunch of people putting on a party for him. And he's so nice that instead of sending them away, he just says, well, let's just have this party just for us. We can just hang out and relax. Um, and, you know, things go from there with everyone getting being able to let their hair down. He says, you know, call your friends, have them come and eat. You know, we have all this food and all this booze. Like, just call call your own friends and they can come and hang out here, too. Uh, and he's just so easygoing, and so <laughs> funny, uh, really just very willing to, um, you know, just to, like mock his own image. Although it's very like they're not they're not nasty to him. They don't really make fun of him in, in very much. He's not the butt of any jokes, really. But uh, yeah, it's a it's a very funny episode. And he's just a, a really positive energy in the middle of it. So Steve Gutenberg's birthday, Steve Gutenberg. That's awesome. And Party Down is a show that more people need to know about. I think the only yeah. reason people don't know about it is because it was on, I think it was on Stars, right? It was on Stars, yeah. Yeah. I mean, Adam Scott, uh, Lizzie Kaplan, Jane Lynch, tons of people on there. Yep. And I, I'm i pretty sure Paul Rudd was involved too. He was a producer, yep. Um, and uh, also Rob Thomas, who made veronica mars and iZombie as well it is now on hulu if people want to check it out among other places oh there we go yeah great show um i haven't seen that episode since i saw it probably 10 years ago <laughs> so i gotta go that's that's when it came out so yeah yeah i gotta give that a rewatch yeah i'm gonna just follow your lead and we'll go with another person playing themselves curb your enthusiasm which has a ton of these Oh yeah, I could have done five just on good Curb Your Enthusiasm ones, but you really we're going to go with, yeah, they're really good. We're going to go with season nine and it's Lin-Manuel Miranda playing <laughs> himself, helping mm -hmm. Larry David write the music for Fatwa the Musical. Did you get the tickets for the uh, Shaka? Oh, I asked. They weren't, they weren't able to do it. I'm sorry. They? Who's they? Yeah, well, you know, I mean, if it were for you... No problem. You'd go as my guest. It's my pleasure, but a shucker you met once who's good at shucking. Well, he's not just good at shucking. He's great at shucking. Again, for you, no problem. In a second, anytime you want to go, please, let me know. Okay. Yeah, okay, I'll go. I'll, I'll take the tickets. You'll take them? Yeah. For the same day that the shucker was... Now, yeah. they're, now they're for you. Yeah. You'll be there at the show. Yeah. Yeah. Are you sure? Yeah. Are you really sure? I'm really sure. just left the office you can have it for your meeting it's gonna work great <laughs> have you seen this, this is, season yeah i have this is pre, but this is pre-hamilton right this is season nine would be like circa in the heights right no this is post right? this is post hamilton because, oh it is okay yeah they actually have a part where he gives larry david tickets to hamilton and then larry david falls asleep during hamilton oh okay which i haven't really seen pisses him off then. okay <laughs> that makes sense 
I think the thing that I like about his turn on this show is that he has such a sense of humor about himself and he lets himself come off as he's he's definitely not playing him. He's playing an exaggerated kind of jerk version of him. Sure. Where he's really petty and he's really selfish and he's a micromanager to the point where he always has to get to his office door first. And like he and Larry David have this kind of shuffle rush down the hall to see who can get to the office first. It's a wild season in general, but it's so funny. He, I'm sure he wrote some of the music for it because the music is actually really quite good. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's so good to see him on screen and having fun with Larry David. I know in interviews, he said it was a dream for him to work with Larry David, and it definitely shows that he was having fun. So yeah, that's my number four, Lin-Manuel Miranda from season nine of Curb Your Enthusiasm. My number three uh, is John Hamm on 30 Rock. The draft made the door fly open. No, it's not a big deal. So we skipped from date four to date 20. No, date never. I would never let that happen. Liz, it's okay. I'm a doctor. I've seen much worse. Really? I'm just kidding. That was pretty bad. <laughs> hold on. Hold on. I, sorry, I have to get this. Hello? Mandy. Yeah, no, I'm downstairs in 3B. Why? No, Mandy, you can't just drop her off without calling. Mandy? Is that like a guy friend like Mandy Patinkin? No, I can't. Because I am on a date right now. No, Mandy, don't hang up. Sorry. That was my ex-wife. My daughter, Bethany, is on her way up. You have a daughter. You will see her. You will say she's cute. But let me just say that she is complicated. My mother usually watches her when I can't, but my mother has been in the hospital recently, and she's not doing very well, and that has been hard for me to handle. I'm sorry that all this keeps falling apart. I was really looking forward to tonight. Well, we could try again some other time. Or. I'm listening. Maybe tonight is a gift. Maybe we embrace the toilet thing and the bra incident and my ex-wife and my daughter, and we just get it all out in one night. And if by the end of it we still like each other, then maybe it's the real thing. Okay, that would be Bethany. Starting in season, I guess, season three, um, he plays Drew, who is a neighbor of Liz's that she is instantly attracted to who wouldn't be and then (laughs) (laughs) they start dating and then things take a turn he's a pediatrician at first and and it initially the story goes where you would expect he's very normal she's a mess and then the longer they date then you realize actually he's a mess because he's so good looking that he has been able to just drift through life and in a completely frictionless way and actually, he's a terrible doctor because he's really dumb, but he's so attractive, no one has ever told him no about anything. <laughs> so <laughs> he he pops back up in, in later episodes, uh, generally having, <laughs> having experienced various calamities uh, due to his extreme stupidity. But um, yeah, the... Uh, He's John Hamm has has cameoed in many other sh- comedy shows. He played a version of himself um, on Barry. He played a talking toilet on Bob's Burgers. Like this is just <laughs> a guy who loves comedy, loves to do, loves comedians. He's a goof. Um, but this, I think, was the first time, and it was you know while Mad Men was still on the air, that he kind of had his first you know 
time to show the world that he could do comedy and he's so funny and the ways that um that jack you know looks at him and sees what he used to be like when he was in the bubble too is is the way that 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 um that they they work the two of those characters off each other even though they're not really in a lot of scenes is is really smart and good too so love 30 rock love john ham love drew even though things did not work out for him and liz John Hamm is a national treasure. He really is. He's been on, I think he's also been on The Simpsons multiple times too. Probably, yeah. And he was on, yeah, like you said, he was on uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm, which was really fun. I mean, he's, I, I, I once did a quiz for, again for Extra Hot Grade, a, ga- a game time that was just all John Hamm comedy performances. And like, he's done a lot. He's, he's, he's been everywhere. I mean, he did the voiceover for, um, Oh, the narration for the uh, Seven Days in Hell and the um, the Tour de Pharmacy, <laughs> the HBO <laughs> specials that Andy Samberg did. I mean, he's he's just like he loves. This is a guy who loves to do comedy, which is why it's a shame that he has that face. <laughs> they keep casting him in, you know, stuff like the Top Gun reboot. If we ever get to see it, because I just think he he would be so funny in a sitcom. All right, my number three. I don't love as much for the performance as I do for the payoff of the performance. So this is from Parks and Recreation, the finale in season six, and it's genuine. Is that genuine? Mm-hmm. Why do you have genuine's platinum record on your wall? Why do you have a photo of you with genuine at some place? Oh, have I never talked about this before? Genuine's my cousin. Genuine? The Genuine is your cousin? How do I not know this? Who is Genuine? Genuine? Genuine is Genuine. He's Genuine. Saying his name over and over again is not going to help me. He's an R&B singer? Pony? Differences? Do you really not know who Genuine is? I know that he's Donna's cousin. When I'm dating someone, I have a list called my oh no no's. If a woman commits an oh no no, it can end the relationship. Not loving 90s R&B music is number three on the oh no no's list. <laughs> the reason I like this so much is because they've built up the fact that Genuine is Donna's cousin mm-hmm. for years at this point. And Tom Haverford, who is a coworker of Donna's, is a huge Genuine and just general 90s R&B fan. And she always kind of says, you know, Genuine was there. She just kind of makes these passing comments that gets Tom jealous and excited. And in the finale of season six, Genuine comes out on stage during the Eagleton Pawnee Unity concert, and he sings Pony in honor of Lil Sebastian, Mm -hmm. much to Tom's and my amazement. (laughs) And it's just, it's such a great, stunt casting because they built it up for so long like they just teased this genuine appearance for years and who knows if they even knew they'd be able to pay it off but in the end they did so i i just (laughs) love the fact that that it came together like that and the face that aziz ansari makes when when he sees genuine on stage is priceless so genuine season six parks and rec again i could have done a whole episode of Parks and Rec stunt castings that worked, but that's the one that I chose. I mean, John Hamm also guest starred in 
Parks and Rec and the, the first flash forward before that last season that was maybe not so successful, but he's uh, the the useless co-worker that uh, Leslie has to fire at the <laughs> interior department. Yes, Ed. Yeah. All right. Uh, number two. Well, I cheated a little bit. I have a tie here. Um, I went with Niecy Nash in two different sitcoms. So we have Niecy Nash in Brooklyn Nine-Nine playing Debbie, Captain Holt's sister, who is the exact opposite of Captain Holt in that she's a Niecy Nash character. She's very dramatic. She comes to town for a visit just um, around the time that her marriage is falling apart and Ray doesn't know how to deal with her because, you know, she's really over the top and says things like she can't even. And when he repeats them, it's very funny because he's extremely dry and reserved. Debbie, it's just too much. What happened? Wait till you hear. Kevin is all, hey, man, I'm leaving for Paris. And I said, then go already. I don't care, but I do care. And now I'm like, where's Kevin? Well, I didn't know y'all had all that going on. Uh, No one understands me. And now you're here, and I love you. But, like, it's a lot. Everything in my life is a hot mess right now. Damn. Captain, the commissioner called again. He wants to know when crime will be down. Are you kidding me? What am I supposed to tell him? I'm under so much pressure. I just can't even. Eventually, they they figure it out. He makes a, a fort in his office, and she gets in it with him, and it's really cute. Then the other episode, very different. Uh, she's in the second uh, episode of the NBC, originally now Peacock sitcom AP Bio, playing Kim, who is a union rep. My name is Kim Burke, and as your union rep, I am always on the side of the teacher. I don't care if you did kill that kid. I don't want to know. As I see it, you have two options, or as I like to call them, doors. Huh? Door number one, admit you're at fault, take a one-week unpaid suspension. However, this could go on your permanent record, so... Then there's door or option two. We fight it. You should know. This could take a while because there will be an investigation. Right, and while all that's going on, you won't be allowed back in that classroom. Say more about that. You'll be in something called teacher jail, which is basically a trailer where you sit around all day, but that could take a couple months. That's a long time to not get paid. Oh, who said that? You would get paid, full salary. You know what? It feels wrong sweeping this under the rug. I'd be willing to stay in that damn jail for as long as it takes to make this right. Say the words, Jack, and I will unleash the dogs. In an episode called Teacher Jail. So AP Bio, if people don't know, this is another one. Like Party Down, very underappreciated show that more people should check out. It's so ridiculous and funny. Yeah. the premise is that Jack, who's played by De- by Glenn Howerton from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, is a disgraced former philosophy professor who has come back to Toledo, Ohio, his hometown, to teach AP Bio, as the title suggests, except he doesn't actually know anything about biology and he's <laughs> only gotten hired on the strength of having a PhD. Um, 
And so he's very indifferent about teaching and generally just uses the position to enact various revenge plans and use his students to uh, as pawns in, in said plans. It's uh, really extraordinary for casting exceptionally good teens as teens who are like really, really funny, but also just believable as regular small town kids. Not that Toledo's a small town, but you know what I mean? They don't, they don't have that. They don't seem like 90210 teenagers. If you know what I mean? They are, be- <laughs> they are believably dorky as AP bio students. Um, anyway, so he's, you know, he's a bad teacher and yet as a union member, he has protections. And so Kim comes to the school to uh, to deal with a grievance that happens and um, runs it runs into um, issues with the school principal, who's played by Patton Oswalt, and he is extremely intimidated by her. Obviously, she's extremely intimidating, and the scenes that the two of them have together are great. So that's my cheating answer, Niecy Nash times two, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, and AP Bio. And again, I'm going to follow your lead because you mentioned AP Bio, led by Glenn Howerton, and I got to I got to make a pick from always from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. We're going to go to an episode called Mac Day. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone in the gang gets a day to do whatever they want, and that means everybody else in the gang must participate willingly, and this is Mac Day. And this day has twice the Mac because we have Sean William Scott who most people know as Stifler, coming in as Country Mac. About time you guys got here. Oh, hey! Oh, Country Mac, <laughs> man. Hey, bro. Listen, dude, can you get us out of here? Yeah, you gotta get us out of here, man. Get out of here? I'm loving it. I'm getting phone numbers left and right. Oh, oh yeah? sweet. There's chicks here? Oh. Chicks? No. Dudes. I'm into dudes. Oh! You're gay. Loud and proud, brother. Loud and proud. Yeah, ain't nothing wrong with that. Ain't nothing wrong with that. No, that's great. It's like refreshing to hear. You know what? Happy hunting, bro. Get after it. Cool, cool, cool. I'll see y'all in a little bit. Good. Yeah, yeah. See, he doesn't want us to grease them. God, that's awesome. Because he wants them. Right. He wants them for himself. It's so much more comfortable when someone's uh, gay and open about it. fantastic. I know we've never said this as a group, but... Max gay. Gay? Yeah, Max gay. He's gay. Hey. Country Mac is Mac's cousin, and they, they basically have City Mac and Country Mac. And he's basically the complete opposite of Mac in every way, from legitimate badass stunts, where, whereas Mac thinks he's doing badass stunts. This dude actually does badass stunts. He's able to protect the gang. He somehow always has a beer in his hand. And he is super comfortable in his skin, where he just comes out and says, hey guys, I'm gay. Whereas <laughs> Mac, on the other hand, is like very closeted. He's oddly fond of Mac, even though Mac is just like filled with jealousy because the gang is basically ready to replace Mac with Country Mac. <laughs> the performance from Sean William Scott is great, uh, especially so in a scene where one of the things Mac wants to do is he wants to go to a bodybuilding competition because he wants to help grease up the bodies. And uh, Country Mac is just loving it. <laughs> We hadn't seen Stifler for a very long time, but Sean William Scott just pops up here as Country Mac, but it works so well. I loved it so much. So yeah, my number two, Country Mac from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Amazing. I guess that goes to my number one. And I'm going to shout out yet another underappreciated show called Clone High. 
People did not even know this show existed. It, you can now stream it on the MTV app or on CBS All Access. It's an animated series from the early 2000s. It's from Phil Lord and Chris Miller, who went on to make Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs and many other <laughs> beloved shows and movies that people adore, uh, like Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse and the Lego movie and 21 Jump Street and 22 Jump Street, the movies. So the premise of Clone High, it's basically a spoof of teen dramas, except uh, it's set in a high school where all of the students are clones of historical figures. So your main cast is Abraham Lincoln, Cleopatra, Joan of Arc, JFK, (laughs) and Gandhi. Um, And the voice talent is incredible. Will Forte is the voice of Abe Lincoln. Krista Miller from um, The Drew Carey Show and Scrubs is Cleopatra. Gandhi is Michael McDonald, who you've seen in a million things, is now mostly a director. And so um, in an episode later in the the it's one and only, tragically, season, an episode called Litter Kills, literally, we are teased uh, that one of their own will die. And um, it's a a reference to the season two episode when um, Scott kills himself on 90210. (laughs) Uh, where it was much was made of it uh, as if Scott was even an opening credits cast member anymore, which he wasn't (laughs) much, much the same way. The one of their own who gets killed is a character we have never seen before on the show. Ponce de Leon, who is voiced by Mr. Luke Perry. May he rest in peace. I've been thinking a lot lately, JFK, about life and stuff. If by life you mean sex, and by thinking you mean having, hey, Ponzi? Life is so short. I mean, there's, there's no fountain of youth, Jackie boy. You gotta live every day like it was your last. I want to make sure everyone knows how I feel about them. Feelings are for dames. You are so detached, man. But I'm trying to get in touch with me in here. I don't know who you are, but you're not my friend Ponce. You're some kind of sneaky broad! Calm down, Jack. I am very quick! I am trying to tell you something before it's too late! It is too late, whoever you are, because the real thoughts is dead to me! I hate you, JFK. <gasps> what happens is, um, a piece of litter blows onto his head um, and he suffocates in a, in a bag and, and dies. And then everyone learns a lot of lessons about litter and why you shouldn't litter and uh, about death and honoring the people that you love and telling them that you love them when they're still around to hear it and so forth. But, you know, it's it's a it's a spoof of those learning those lessons on a teen drama like on 90210. Um, but yeah, Luke Perry as Ponce de Leon, looking exactly like Luke Perry, except with like puffy, you know, conquistador pants. Uh, it's ridiculous. <laughs> so, again, if you've never watched this show, get on CBS All Access or the MTV app and watch it because it's so, so funny. And um, yeah, if you like the Lego movie or the 21 Jump Street movies, you will. The, the DNA for that is definitely in this show. I'm a huge Lord and Miller fan, and I've been meaning to watch this, but I still oh, have never seen it. You gotta, you gotta watch it. I'm putting it on the list. I did not know MTV had an app, but I, I will look it up on uh, 
on CBS. All right, on to my number one. My number one is from my childhood, and this blew my mind when it happened on Full House. <laughs> yes, Full House season four. Uh, DJ's friend has this very annoying cousin, and they come in the house. They're complaining about this very annoying cousin, and Uncle Jesse says, how annoying can one kid be? When there's a knock at the door, he opens it, enter. That's him. Dad, you never saw us. And if he asks where we are, we were never here and we're never coming back. Got it. How annoying could one kid be? That's right. Jaleel White <laughs> as Steve Urkel slides in oh, on boy. Full House a half an hour early because he's supposed to be on Family Matters. I was like maybe 11 or 12 at the time. Blew my mind that this character could just pop up on another show. Uh, and he's there, of course, to not only be his Urkel self, but also to teach Stephanie a lesson because Stephanie's just gotten glasses and she is not. She would rather not see than be seen in glasses. And Urkel tells her that it's okay to wear glasses and that a lot of people that are really cool wear glasses. It's always stuck out as a very interesting moment in TV for me because as a kid, I didn't really like pay attention to advertisements or previews on TV and I had no idea this was happening. Mm-hmm. And then Urkel just slides in the front door. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> and not the first time Steve Urkel did this on, on uh, the TGIF block. No, I don't know if you remember when he at the end of Family Matters, he flew out of the backyard in a jet pack and then the beginning of Step by Step started and they're having a barbecue or something in the backyard and Urkel just flies down in the same jet pack. <laughs> like it was crazy. But yeah, yeah, Steve Urkel, season four of Full House and uh, he teaches Stephanie it's OK to wear glasses. <laughs> <laughs> Did you have any honorable mentions? Maybe some that just didn't make your list, but you really would have wanted to put them on there. Oh boy, you you think I I should, but no, I I just uh, I stuck to my five and I I I, uh, I stopped. <laughs> <laughs> I have two. I have two that I want to mention. Uh, the okay. first is I just love talking about Kyle Chandler because he's mm-hmm. amazing. Yeah. Uh, he had a very short stint on ER as a uh, like a bomb technician. I don't know if that you was Grey's that. Anatomy, wasn't it? Oh, you're right. It was Grey's Anatomy. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, he had a very small stint on Grey's Anatomy as he was supposed to be diffusing a bomb. And uh, well, you'll have to watch to find that out was also happened. that was also a post Super Bowl episode. Oh, yeah. See, I, I didn't include it because I didn't know how big he was at the time. I didn't know if that was before or after Friday Night Lights. That was before. OK, cool. I'm pretty sure. And then the other honorable mention is one from a movie, and I wanted to kind of focus this on TV, but I always loved the stunt casting of Matt Damon in Eurotrip oh, as, yeah. a, as a singer of a band that sings a very famous, very now famous song, Scotty Doesn't Know. Right. So, yeah, those are my honorable mentions. What would you say is the worst stunt casting of all time? Oh, God. Uh or one that sticks out as like just totally out of place and terrible. I mean, I mentioned Madonna in my ramp up on on Will and Grace. That was extremely bad. I mean, her performance was bad. The story was dumb. 
yeah, there's a there was a run like you know early ish in the Simpsons when they just had people on and it was a lot of like so and so what are you doing here and like James Woods <laughs> as um, a quickie mart uh, clerk is one of those. I mean, leaving aside what we now know about him as like a <laughs> yeah. wacko, but like on top of that, like playing himself, playing a quickie mart uh, clerk, you know, researching a role was like extra bad. It's, you know, that, that, that's one that stuck out because we recently rewatched that episode, but yeah, lots, lots of those on the Simpsons where it's just like they had wanted to have someone on and didn't really have a good reason for them to be there. So yeah, that's, that's one. I could always use less James Woods in my life. No kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I think the worst stunt casting I've ever seen was Macy Gray's performance on Fuller House. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you're privy to that episode. No. Uh, just after the episode, after after we record here, go look up Macy Gray on Full House or Fuller House. It is some of the worst acting I've ever seen. It almost seems, seems like she's under the influence of something. Mm-hmm. Just kind of floating around the, the scene and she, she just cannot act and i know she's supposed to be there as a musical guest but they just should not have given her lines it is so awful oh i just thought of another one uh jared and ivanka on gossip girl oh gross (laughs) as themselves or any trump cameo i know trump was on like fresh prince of bel-air he he was he was in a lot of places well speaking of being in a lot of places you (laughs) are in a lot of places let's talk about some of your stuff like plug some of uh, some of what you want people to read or see or listen to. Okay. Um, yeah, please go buy a very special 90210 book, which I co-wrote with Sarah D. Bunting. If you can uh, buy it from an indie bookstore, go to a, a, a store in your town. If you can, they're probably doing curbside pickup or shipping. Uh, if you can't, go to bookshop.com or go to our publisher, Abrams. Uh, you can find my podcasts, uh, Again With This, which I also do with Sarah, is at againwiththis90210.com or where, everywhere that you find podcasts. Uh, that comes out every Monday. And Extra Hot Great, which is at extrahotgreat.com and everywhere you find podcasts, is every Wednesday. And then you have one with Dave Chen as well. Yeah, that's uh, that we did. The Sweet Smell of Succession is um, about we only did season two of Succession. So supposedly they're going to start shooting season three (laughs) soon as we're recording this. I mean, we'll see. Uh, I'm not sure if we're going to cover season three. We haven't talked about it. We'll we'll see what happens when there actually is a screener, I guess. Cool. Well, uh, yeah, (laughs) go check that out and order the 90210 book because you deserve some nostalgia in your life. Thank you. If you want to be a guest on this show, the Force 5 podcast, the only requirement is that you love movies or TV and want to talk about it. So if you have a top five list that you want to cover with me, email me at force5podcast at gmail.com or head to the website force5podcast.com, which has a show request form and then other Force 5 related stuff. Until next time, stay safe, stay sane, and go watch some TV. (laughs) 